Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. I want to talk about strength, don't you? You know, when the rest of the world is wondering where their strength is going to come from and how they're going to deal with weakness, vulnerability, there is strength to be had. And where do we find it? Where do we find it? Well, we know we're here today. We know that our hope comes from the Lord. But how do we get to that stuff? How do we get the strength that comes from God that we feel in us? We feel it in our mind. We feel it in our body. We, we see it. We testify of it. And we can, we can observe it in our life. How do you get to that stuff? Well, and, and here's the biggest question is, what do you do when God doesn't take away your troubles? Because you're in that situation and you're saying, God, give me the strength that I need. And, and it doesn't seem to come the way you want it to come. What do you do? Well, in Scripture, Paul asked three times, and this is what God told him. He said this. This is God speaking to, as, as Paul recounted it. He said this to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, this is Paul speaking now, first of all, it's what God spoke to his heart. My grace is sufficient you, for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. This were the words of Jesus to Paul's heart. And then this was Paul's response. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Wow. That is a very curious portion of Scripture, isn't it? It's not what we expected to hear. And I'm sure Paul was, in exactly, you know, Paul was sitting there and he asked three times, you know, God, please take this. And we don't know what Paul's thorn was. We just know if you think of a thorn, you know, that's stuck into you as something, uh, you know, that's, that's painful, that just won't go away. We've all experienced that, whether that be, you know, in, in our physical body, but also in our soul, just something in our life that won't change. And I, I'm pretty sure this is what Paul's talking about. Uh, there's a couple of, uh, you know, possibilities in case you're wondering. Uh, you know, some thought that it was Paul's uh, uh, propensity to struggle with greed. He was a man who grew up in prosperity. He was a man who did grow up in a privileged home. He was a Roman citizen. He was also well-trained, hung around Gamaliel, the, the top priest. So he was a man of privilege. And then, of course, when that was all stripped from him, he went from that to, you know, severe poverty as he would say, despairing unto his life, living with rags, not, showing, not sure where his next meal was going to be. And yet, Paul writes about covetousness over and over again. It could have been one of his struggles. We know that that was a struggle. Whether it was his thorn in the flesh, don't know. Another possibility was his eyes. When Paul was knocked off his donkey or horse, whatever he was riding on, on his way to Damascus, uh, he was blinded. We know that. And then he was led as a blind, broken man there to be healed, hands laid on, and restored. His, his eyesight was restored to him. But there is an indication that Paul continued to struggle 
with his eyesight. Matter of fact, we know this from, from legend, but also there's indication from Scripture that every once in a while, I, at the end of a letter, one of his epistles, he said, see what la- I'm writing this in with my own hand, and see what large letters I use. The reason was because Paul had difficulty seeing. So even though he was healed, it's, it's well known that Paul still struggled with his eyesight. And that is why also that he had others dictate for him and uh, write many of the letters that Paul wrote. He didn't write them with his actual own hand. He dictated them while a, man, a, a young man would sit in the cell with him and he'd write on his behalf. So that could have been it. So we got a couple of possibilities. Could have been a physical malady, could have been a soul malady. But does it really matter? Because the truth is, both hurt a lot, don't they? I mean, both of them, there are issues that we all struggle with, and they're all the kind of issues that we're going to bring to the Lord, (laughs) where we're going to say, Lord, would you please take this from me? So I had a kidney stone a couple of weeks ago. Believe me, Lord, would you please take this from me? I mean, I don't care. Reach on in there and just take it out. Well, it, you know, it had to go the way of all kidney stones, you know. I don't want to get into that, but anyway. Uh, but thank God, for, you know, for his, 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 his strength in the middle of that. You know, Andrea asked me, she said, you know, honey, you know, even though you were in so much pain, I never saw you really despairing, and I never did. I, I not, at no time during all that pain was I saying, God, why have you done this to me? Never once. I was just like, you know. Why did I drink all that sweet tea? That's what I was thinking. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Ah, oh, well, I guess I'll be drinking a lot of water when this is over. But the point is, there are times when those struggles do come and they overwhelm us. And we do go to the Lord just like Paul did. And we say, you know, Lord, please take this. Just take it from me. You know, Jesus did the same thing. Jesus knew that the cross was coming. He told his disciples that's what was going to happen. So he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, right? And he's struggling. He's struggling. His flesh is struggling with what he knows he has to go through. And he says, Lord, please take this cup from me. Sound familiar? And the Lord says, Jesus, you know we can't. I mean, the Father speaks to him in his heart and says, we we can't do this, Jesus. We're committed. We've got to follow this. You've come. We've got to walk this thing through. And he does, of course, and thank God for it. So there are times when we struggle like that. And what should our response be? Because they're in the middle of this, there is grace to be had. There is hope in the middle. of. There is a place, there is an avenue where God can help us in the middle of these situations where we just don't see change happening, okay? So what is our response to this? Let's break down Paul's response so that it can make a little more sense to us. First of all, he says this, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. He says, I'm going to boast. You know, the truth is, just like Meredith's song that you heard, we are a, a beautiful mess. And that's where life really needs to start for all of us, is to recognize, folks, we got a lot of work. You know that? Got a lot of work. And, and, and the, the, the sooner we recognize that as believers the faster we are going to have access to the remedy. You know what? If you don't call the doctor and get a remedy, you ain't going to have any, right? You're not going to get any help. Now, it's not to say that you can't call the Lord and ask him to heal you. I'm not talking about that. I'm just, you know, just for the sake of illustration, 
if you need help, you've got to ask for help, right? You've got to ask for it. And so we're a beautiful mess. And so really embracing our faults as a means to receive more from God is a wonderful choice. And that's the thing that we've got to do. Our response can't be that you're angry at God. After three times you asking God for help, and you don't see something moving in your life. You spoke to the mountain and told it. You commanded it to be picked up and to thrown into the sea. It didn't move. Why is that mountain still there? What's going on here? Well, a lot of times we can despair and we can give up and we walk away from God. And believe me, I know a lot of people who've done that. And it's unfortunate. But the truth is it's because they have been not taught the whole gospel. They haven't been told what the Bible really says from end to end, okay? He isn't just the magical vending machine in the sky. There are times when God is trying to do something in us that is so much deeper than our problem, our issue. This is Christianity 401, my friends. And Paul has been introduced to the class. Paul has experienced incredible miracles I mean, the things that he has done, I mean, he's, he's, he's raised a young boy from the dead. He's experienced all the miracles that, that Jesus experienced. He had been involved in those things. And now when it comes to him, whatever his simple problem is, it just won't go away. What is going on? So he says, I'm going to boast in it. He says, I'm not just going to ignore it. I'm not just going to try to bypass it, which most of us do. We just kind of bypass it. We try to ignore that little bump in the road. You know, it's just like the, in Spanish, they call it the topes, those little speed bumps. In Mexico, they're not speed bumps. They're speed mountains. I mean, you have to go, and we come down over them. But God puts speed bumps in our life in the form of difficulties from time to time to get us to do what? To slow down, my friend. And... And then to recognize it, instead of bypassing it, like we all want to do. We want to go around the speed bump. But if we do that, then we're not, we're, not, we're not embracing the lesson. We're not getting the message, which is what? To slow down. Somebody's life might be at stake. Okay? But to boast. You know, I, I was thinking the other day about football, which I enjoy watching from time to time, but it was funny. I realized no one points to Jesus when they fumble the ball. They point to Jesus when they score a touchdown. It's just like, man, it's Jesus. But when they fumble, I never see any of them, any of them getting up and just going, Jesus, thank you. But really, they kind of should, didn't they? It's kind of like, hey, I blew it. Jesus, make something of this. In my mistakes, in my struggles. This is what Paul is saying he's doing. He's saying, I'm going to boast all the more in my weaknesses. Let's go back over the list of things. He said, in my weaknesses, in my insults, in the hardships, in the persecutions, in the difficulties. What is our boast? Our boast is, yay, I get to have more of Jesus. And is that not probably the lesson, my friends? Is that not what God is up to? Well, you can keep thinking about that. Secondly, our response, according to Paul's response here now, is I will expect more of God's power, not more of my own prowess 
to escape my struggle. I will expect more of God's power, not more of my own prowess to escape my struggle. See, my friends, that is what a lot of times it comes down to, is sometimes we try to beat the system. We do an end around, as I shared earlier, we try to do an end around on God, and we avoid the point and fool ourselves into a longer line. And what I mean is, it's like going to the grocery store, right? You get in that line, you're like, oh, man, got a lady with, man, what is she doing? Why do you need so much food today? And you go down to the next line, and you think, oh, man, there's another one. <laughs> you bump to the poor little lady, old little lady, out of the way, bam, you run her into the chips. And then you get into the line only to find out that, price check! Oh. And God has got you. Because he's put you into a system that you can't beat. And you know what? That's what we try to do. Oh, Because, man, we're Americans. We're always trying to build a better mousetrap. We're always trying to do something better, faster, you know, more efficient. It's into our DNA to do that. And God says, you know what? I don't work that way. That's not the way I work. I don't want you just to be blessed. I want you to be whole. Get that. Because if you don't get that, then my friends... You're subscribed to something other than Christianity. Okay? Get it. <clears throat> you know, so God is after our flesh. He's after our flesh. He's after what is going to really change us. And, and so here's Paul who's saying, I'm going to expect more of God's power. I, in my weakness, I know what's going on here. I'm not going to expect more of what I can produce, but I'm going to look to God for a God solution. God didn't take it out of Paul's way because God was saying, look, my grace is sufficient. We'll get to that, unlock that a little more here in a second. He goes on and says, I will delight in weaknesses. Wow. That's pretty hard stuff. Let's go through the list again. I will delight in weaknesses. I will delight in insults. What? Well, let's keep going. I will delight in hardships. I will delight in persecutions. I will delight in difficulties. This is very anti-American right here. It doesn't fit the, it doesn't fit the, the dialogue. It doesn't fit what is in the description, the definition of being a strong, vibrant, conquering human being. I'm going to delight in my weaknesses. Wow. And I'm not going to blame God or others for my own struggles. That's what he's basically saying here. I'm going to delight in them. I'm going to face them. I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to see there's something in this for me. There's something through this door. I know, I know all of your, your, your you know, connections are misfiring right now because for most of us we're going to do whatever we can to sidestep what God is after we're going to blame somebody else for what is going on in our life isn't that right Alan even those who insult us oh it's your fault you shouldn't be doing that to me but folks I'm I'm I we're reading Bible here all right we're reading Bible so don't blame me. I'm not just writing a column and you all be mad at me about it. No, I'm reading Bible to you today. 
just helping you embrace it, helping you, helping us, because in the end, you're going to see, you're going to get the revelation that Paul got. Delight in those weaknesses, hardships. Why is life so hard for me? Why does it seem like I just hit the brick wall? Why does this seem to never change? Why can't my circumstances, why wasn't I born into a better situation? I mean, how many Americans have said, man, if I just had a million dollars? I mean, certainly Bill Gates, he's got a billion of them. Have you ever done the math on that? If you just get, I mean, what, 370 million Americans, is that where we're at, somewhere in that amount? I don't know, maybe it used to be 270. I think, well, I think it's more like 310, 320. Okay. Give all of us a million dollars, man. That'll work. And let's just call the whole thing even, right? Ah, uh, it doesn't work that way. Sometimes we're called to hardship. And it's through the hardship that we build the greatest character. And you know what? I mean, there are many times when I look at my own life and I think to myself, I got the short end of the stick. And you know, there's a lot of talk about privilege these days. And, and so don't buy into that lie. Because you try to bypass and blame things on privilege, you learn nothing. You grow in no grace. But when you embrace where God has placed you, see, do you believe in the providence of God and the sovereignty of God? In, in other words, do you believe that God knows all things, sees all things, and that means whatever we have experienced, wherever we're placed on this planet, whatever set of circumstance we're given... God's in it? There was only one amen out of that one. The rest of you are still thinking. Uh, can you give me a few more? Can you give me a day? No, no, no. Come on, Christians. That's what we call purpose. That's what we call God's understanding God's purpose and place for your life. Going back to my own situation, you know, I grew up in a situation where it was, it was, there was some hardship. A couple of farmers got together, learned, didn't know much about marriage. The poor, my poor mom and dad, they were struggling along. They ended up having seven kids, which was a lot more kids than they both could, knew how to feed, and it was a struggle. They got divorced because they just beat each other up, and the rest of the family went through hell. And poverty. And sometimes, I mean, I could be an angry person about that. I could have used that whole dialogue, that whole story, that whole thing, and turned myself into an angry, let's just destroy the system kind of an individual. But I didn't. I said, God, you allowed that to happen for me so that I might understand and compare my life to you and use all of that brokenness as a means to grace. What are you going to do with all that brokenness in me, God? And God says, watch. Watch what I can build inside a person who lets me do it. Are you getting my message this morning? As they say, are you picking up what I'm putting down? Okay, thank you. All right. Power is made perfect in weakness. That's what God said. He didn't say anymore. He said, I mean, you could expect Jesus to sit there and just scratch his head and go, can you give me a few days on that to figure out why you're, it's not getting through to you? Let me go to the angelic host administrative department and figure out why your solution ain't coming. You asked three times? Whew. Let me get back to you. Uh-uh. That's not what God said. God said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is going to be made perfect in weakness. That's why Paul said, oh, wow. Well, then I'll boast all the more in my weakness. 
Because if weakness is a, if weakness is a avenue to getting more of God, we should be partying right now. Am I right? I know this is, <laughs> I know this is hard. Paul's response does not make sense. Most of our response would be when God would say to us, my grace is sufficient for you, my power is made imperfect in weakness. Our response would be, therefore, I'm going to fight you every bit of the way, God. I'm going to do all I can to squeeze what I think I need out of you. I'm going to find the preaching that fits my ears, my dialogue. I'm going to find the situation that makes more sense to me. Paul didn't respond that way. Sure did not. He said, I'll delight. Then finally, he said, I will declare. He didn't necessarily use that word, but I see Paul declaring it. When I am weak, then I am strong. Look at the last part of that. He said, I'm gonna, and he says, for when I'm weak, then I'm, so, I'm strong. I could just see Paul declaring that. This is an internal de- declaration, by the way. Of course, we could go out on the front porch and, and do the same. But the truth is, we need to make that decision on the inside. And I wrote down here, I wouldn't run around telling everybody about this if I were you, because they might try to uh, put you away. Because what I'm telling you, I, I mean, I can see the cogs in your brain working right now. I see the battle that you are going through right now. I know what you're going through. Been there many, many times. When I go to the Lord and say, God, would you please move this situation? Nothing happens. Would you, God, please make this happen over in this situation? It doesn't happen. And God just says, David, trust me. My grace is going to be attracted. I'm I'm after so much more in you right now. Well, what is it? You got to trust me. That's hard, hard stuff. But on the inside, what we need to say is when I'm weak, then I'm strong. When I'm weak, I will be strong. How? In God. In Him alone. Because then after the end of the day, who really made you strong? Was it your strength? Is it ever our strength? Did we put a breath into ourselves? Did you knit yourself together in your mother's womb? Did you have anything to do with the circumstances of your life? In most cases, no. Yeah, there will be some people who write the article, yeah, man, when I was young, I determined, you know, I was, I mean, I knew a man who was a millionaire. I, I, I talked to him one time because we he, he was involved in a ministry we were doing down in Fayetteville, and the poor guy could barely speak much real English. He didn't have much more than a fourth or fifth grade ed- education. And yet, by this bull's bootstraps, he pulled himself up and, you know, did what the stories we've all heard. Don't be deceived by that. Don't be deceived by that at all. Because that man, in in his case, was a very strong Christian and one of the largest givers I've ever known. So what does this mean? What does this all mean? Will I, do I take this occasion to justify my sin and refuse to take responsibility, responsibility for my actions? In other words, if I say, well, He's not taking away my problems, therefore, you know what? Hey, let's just all give up. Let's just, you know, I'm weak. 
I am just weak. And, and, if, and if he is calling me, and if he's not taking away my problems, and, and it's really exacerbating my problem, and now I'm realizing that I'm weak, do I just then say, you know what? <laughs> I'm just a weak person. Sorry, man. Pass the booze. I'm just a weak person. I know God loves me anyway. Go on to have a fourth abortion. I mean, I'm just weak. I mean, you know, God understands me. I've heard Christians speak that way. And that is an absolute wrong way to take. Because you know what you did? We went around the topes. We went around the speed bump. And we tried to access something And really, because you know what? At the end of the day, we come down to this one thing. I just want peace. And admitting that I'm weak doesn't fit the narrative. It doesn't fit. Admitting that I'm broken, that I'm a beautiful mess, as Meredith said, doesn't fit the the narrative. It doesn't fit well with this, all that we've been taught in this world about Really, what is, what is secular humanism is what is taught us, and it's spoon-fed to us from the time we're small children. And we just, that's when the Bible really comes into major conflict with who we are as human beings. Is beginning to realize, you know what? God, God is after your soul more than anything. He's not particularly interested in making you into a millionaire. He's not particularly interested in making you so successful that you then become the boast. I'm telling you, I write about this. And, and so if you want to counteract some of this stuff in that children's book I wrote, and you want to start you know, counteracting the secular humanism your children are getting, man, grab you that book because I'm telling you, that's where it starts, is understanding who you are in the context of the universe. Okay? We're not the brightest star in this universe. We're the least bright. So we can't use this whole thing to justify. And we can't just tell others to take a hike because that's what we often do too. Is because people are often the ones who are the messengers of our weaknesses. Ooh-wee. Am I right? I mean, people will, in relationship is where we often see our shortcomings. And People in our life are all too quick to let us know you're a beautiful mess. But they don't use that nice little phrase. They just say you're a mess. Let's get a divorce. Or you're a mess. I don't want to be your friend anymore. You're a mess. You're fired. We are reminded on a daily basis of our weaknesses, are we not? And so what we do, rather than, because I used to come in, and I used to punch in to, I worked at UPS, and, you know, and, and it was getting up at 3.30 in the morning. Come on, man, I'm only 20 years old, 19, 20, 21 years old, and I'm walking in, and, and I, you know, I put my boots by the side of the bed and my pants so that I could literally just slide over at 3.30 and just pull the pants on, put on the boots, and stumble out the door to work. So I'd come walking in, and my hair is going in all different directions. Who cared about how you looked when you're sitting on a belt at 3.30 in the morning? Didn't matter to me. Yeah, but this boss, man, he got in my stuff. He mocked me. He threatened me every day that I was going to get fired. He did everything he could to try to discourage me to get me to quit. And he was after me. And you know, I could have really, I could have got me a sign and marched outside of UPS, you know, 
saying that, you know, I'm, I was tired of wh- how they were treating me. You know, of course, I threatened to beat the guy up, but let's not go there. <laughs> but one night, I remember laying in bed, and God just spoke to me. He said, David, I'm not changing your circumstances because this is all about you. Huh? Yeah. You got an attitude. You're a terrible employee. Oh, God, please stop. <laughs> the devil's speaking. That ain't God. There are demons in the house. No, 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 no. God was asking me, saying, David, you're a terrible employee. You are just a mess. And this is all happening because of you. And when I finally, I mean, it was just one of those wake-up calls. I was just like, whoa, man. I thought I was the hot stuff. I mean, they couldn't do this without me. Until I realized the only reason why I wasn't fired was because I had inadvertently joined the Teamsters. I didn't even know I was a Teamster. I would have probably used that to my advantage, Mr. Aaron, but I didn't because I didn't even know. And so that because I was a team, they couldn't fire me on the spot, and they would have. They were trying to force me to quit. When a new plant manager came in, he looked at me, and he had a file that high, and he said, David, I just wanted to meet the guy who had the most write-ups I've ever seen in my life. And he said, I just had to meet you before I let you go. And I looked at him, and I wondered why the shop steward was there. And she said, well, I have to be here because you're a teamster. I'm like, I'm a teamster? I don't like those guys. But anyway, we won't talk about that. Anyway, so anyway, I looked at him, and I just got it already done the work. And I looked at him, and I said, sir, I said, I looked at that file, and that every, I did every one of those things. I said, I was a terrible employee. I had a bad attitude. I was a slacker. And all I can tell you is today is, you know, I said, the funny thing is, is I'm studying for the ministry. And I said, I can't hide that. I said, I have been a terrible employee, and I ask you to forgive me. And I promise you this, that if you keep me, I will be a different man. And he took the file, and he dropped it in the trash can. And he said, deal. And I stayed. I worked another two years. And when I was finished, because I'd finished my school, and they said, they came to me and said, David, we want to keep you. We want you to become a driver and be a manager here at, at our plant. I said, uh, no. <laughs> no, I said, I got to go on to uh, do a much harder job in the kingdom. I said, that's what I've been training for. I said, but you know what? This blesses my socks off because that's all I wanted to hear. Well done. Enough for them to say we want to keep you rather than let's get rid of you. So I shared that story I'm going to share with you, folks. Is that opportunity did not, did not come from me, you know, sticking a sign out and, and, and fighting the system. That didn't come from somebody who tried to justify my own sin. That didn't come from somebody who wasn't willing to embrace my own weakness because that was the problem. And I wasn't going to get that. Well, I did get that from my boss, but I couldn't hear him. But when I opened my heart to God, God got right to it. He said, David, you got a weakness you got a bad one. It's a character issue. And I cannot use you for my kingdom. I cannot put you in a church in Roanoke Rapid or Weldon, North Carolina to do what I've called you to do with that attitude problem. we got to get rid of this thing. Yes, sir. So what is God after? In Paul's case, God was after conceit or excessive pride. He tells us that in the chapter before. I kind of played a trick on you. Because that's what God was doing. 
Paul was getting some amazing revelations. He was seeing things that no human being has ever seen, apart maybe from, you know, maybe Moses or some other of those big guys, right? Paul was seeing incredible stuff. And God said, I see what this is doing to you, Paul. You're a bit of a proud rascal. You you thought you were all in charge when you didn't know me, and now that you do know me, it's creeping back. And so God allows something, a real difficulty to come into his life to really cause him to slow down and to realize none of this happens without him. See, we're very quickly given to this, folks, when we talk about pride. It is the human being's defining characteristic. Pride. The hard thing about pride is we're too proud to figure it out. And no one's qualified to talk about pride because we're proud. And so we always have to just, who do we have? What are we going to do? What does Paul say? Who's going to help me with this body of death? Who's going to thank God for the Lord Jesus Christ who is faithful to come to us and speak to us and help us, which is why we should be listening all the more to why what is happening in our life is happening. Folks, what's going on in the world right now is so anti-gospel, so anti-Christ. Please wake up and smell the coffee. Because the truth is, if you're drawn into this, then your problems, your issues, your, what you need fixed inside you will never get fixed. You'll become a greater monster. And no one will suffer more than you or me as a result. The problem is we cannot be the gatekeepers of our own pride. We try, it doesn't work. We humble ourselves, it helps. But in the end, God has to allow struggles into our lives to help us understand that our greatest weaknesses can become our greatest strength if we choose to let God do that work. When it was all sudden done in my experience there at UPS was not that I was able to say I did this. No one knew more shamefully deep down in my heart that God was the only one responsible for that. That when he came to me in the darkness of the night and spoke to me into my heart and said, David, you got a problem. That was the beginning of change. And any glories I experienced there, from there on out, I knew. I could tell you story after story after story where this has been true. God wants to take your greatest weakness and make it your greatest strength. Because where, as Paul said, but when I'm weak, then I'm strong. All of our accomplishments and glories will come to nothing in an instant if we ignore this. And, the, and the, here's the, the hard, one of the hardest parts is, you know, this is a race that keeps going. We don't pass a test. We have to time to time go back to that test. Layer after layer because when we experience some success, we want to we, we forget pointing to pointing to heaven. God will let that little thorn in your flesh come again. Here it comes. Have you learned the lesson? The quicker you fall to your knees, the better off all of us will be. And I want to finish the race well, even if it means I have to finish last. That's not a popular thing to say. But that's what it's about. See, it's better news 
than it first appears when you read that. Because I remember reading it at first, I thought, well, that's not my favorite portion of Scripture. Moving on. <laughs> Let's go to the ones that make you feel like, woo! But I didn't realize that deep inside, that is a, a really exciting verse. Because it is, it's the key. It's the absolute key. When Paul says, or when God says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness, that's the best news you've ever heard. Because why? There's power to be had. That's what you can't forget. There is power to be had. There is change to be had. There is reward. There is blessing. There is there's change. There's transformation. There's all the wonderful things that God wants you to have. But it comes through brokenness, humility, admitting to God where your weaknesses are, not trying to bypass those weaknesses, not trying to pretend they don't exist. You know, what, what bothers me sometimes is we celebrate our strengths. That's all we focus on. Now, it's not like we're going to go and, yay, I'm a liar. I mean, you know, we're not going to do that. I struggle with telling the truth. No, again, they'd lock you up. But in your heart, when you take that to God and you say, Lord, I, I'm broken here, would you let this be the place upon which you pour your power and bring forth your glory? That's all God needs to hear. That's all he needs to hear. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up this morning. Let's pray together. If I could have our prayer teams please come as we close our service. Just remind you that the prayer teams are here for you to receive prayer over anything in your life. You need healing. You need something in response to the message. And here in a moment, give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ. We welcome you to come. But let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're here today, and if you're not certain that if you died tonight, you'd be in heaven. And let's say you did die, and you stood before the Father, and he said, why should I let you into my heaven? And you didn't really know what to say, then you know what? I've got some good news. I can help you with that. The truth is this. It's all about Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. It's a free gift, something you can neither earn or ever deserve. It's a free gift for all those who would ask. The Bible tells us that he who says that Jesus Christ is Lord and believes it in their heart will be saved. So all across this room, if you're here today and you want to give your life to Christ for the first time, and that's what I'm really asking for, Maybe you've dawdled or played with the concept of being a Christian, but never really have given your life to Christ. I want to give you that chance right now. All across this room, anyone here at all? No one looking around, just raise your hand up. Only take a second. Anyone at all? Give your life to him. Start a new life, a new chapter. Anyone at all? Okay. Lord, for the rest of us, Lord, we have great strength awaiting us. You want to give us mighty power. But Lord, it's going to come through that door, that avenue, Lord, of our weakness. And I pray right now, Lord, that you would help us to humble ourselves. Lord, to, Lord there's a reason why things aren't changing in our life. God, we, we, we don't understand why you're not 
upending parts of our life and you're leaving them there. Why? Well, it's time for us to boast in our weakness. It's time to declare, Lord, where I'm weak, you will be strong. Bring strength into our lives, into those areas, God, through our brokenness right now. Lord, let us yield to our Savior. Lord, come, pour out more grace. Lord, that is what we'll rejoice in. Your grace, not my strength, not my skills. Lord, not my intellectual prowess or anything, Lord, that we have. Mm -mm. We put our hope in you and only you. And I love that scripture, God, where you say that you use the weak things of the world to confound the strong. Mm. Once again, Lord, we boast in our weakness. Lord, as we finish today, we thank you. Help us. Help us to process this truth. And Lord, let it come out in the form of a changed life. In Jesus' name, amen.